Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, November 17th, 2021. I am Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. So, as always, make sure that you're on our Patreon for Broadway Radio. That's patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. And we do want to talk a lot tonight, but we do have news to get to. Yeah, there's news, (laughs) but there's other stuff. Yeah, we're going to get to something else like that we're going to go on and on about here in a minute. But there is news first, yes. Yeah, so so we're going to hit it at the top. So today, NPR broke a story about William Ivy Long's history of sexual misconduct allegations, beginning with two college students at a summer production in North Carolina called The Lost Colony, where Long sexually abused them both. So NPR kind of unearthed some 2002 lawsuit with the production where one victim says, and I apologize for, I I tried to make this as not abrasive as possible. Yeah, there should be a, there should be a content warning here for sexual assault. Uh, Definitely. If that's something that uh, upsets you, you might want to fast forward a few minutes because can't not talk about it with this story. Correct. But we do want to give service to these victims and, and be honest about what is being put out there. So uh, one victim says that Long had sex with him while he was drunk and could not consent. Another alleges that Long touched him inappropriately on about 10 occasions. The occasions um, in the lawsuit include Long allegedly convincing one young man to have sex with another uh, at Long's direction uh, while a board member watched and forced that man to allow Long to have sexual relations with him further. So, and by the way, it doesn't even matter that it was 10, you know, occasions. It could have just been one. They they hold the same weight, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, in the, in the extensive report from NPR, and we've seen it across, you know, we, we've kind of known about this in the industry as well. Um, he most recently was working on, William Ivy Long was most recently working on Diana, and they parted ways last year, I believe, right before the filming of the show. So I'm just at the point personally where I really don't care anymore about people's talents if they're going to abuse their power. I'm under, I'm just uninterested in their work, full stop. Like it's been known in the community that this man is inappropriate. He still continues to book. It's same for the other abusers in our industry and they continue to book work. Like there's like one little story and then it goes away and then all of a sudden they're booking work. Like I just, I'm so exhausted, Matt. <laughs> Sorry. Well, this is not a new new story. This is obviously no. a new report from NPR. We've talked about right. this story here on Broadway Radio a couple of years ago, whenever it was first kind of brought to light during the, you know, what very little Me Too reckoning that the theater actually had. This was a story that was reported on. We discussed it here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, we have seen a little bit of pushback on William Ivy Long. He has not worked very much on Broadway, at least. Um, the Diana thing you mentioned, the, the cast basically put their foot down and said, we're not going to continue doing this if you wow. are going to allow him to be a part of this production. If you look at his history in the past like couple of years, uh, he works every single year on Broadway. You've got Cabaret, like if you go to even 2014, Cabaret, Bullets Over Broadway, 2015, On the 20th Century, 2015, It Should Have Been You, Disaster, 2016, A Bronx Tale, 2016, Prince of Broadway, 2017, Tootsie, 2019, and Beetlejuice, 2019. And nothing happened last year except for Diana, which he was a part of. So he does continue to work every single year, regardless of this. Exactly. So I, I just... I agree with you, and obviously I agree with you, on the fact that, unfortunately, we are at a time in history and society and especially the theater industry where we need to believe victims and um, first 
And then, and then when, when that comes to light, that if that's not the case, if their accusations are proven false, which okay, is, which and we almost, will rectify it. Yeah. Which almost never happens. Like it's an infinitesimally yeah. small percentage in which that is the case, which is why I would much rather take the risk that a situation is like the 0.05%. And I made that statistic up. So don't come at me and saying I got the number (laughs) wrong. But like, I would rather take the risk that even if it's a 5% chance, I would rather take the risk that it's I could be 5% wrong rather than 95% wrong. You know what I mean? Like, of course, that's horrible. If that actually does happen, that 5% or whatever it is, that's horrible. And And if that's the case, I will apologize to those people profusely. But if it's a 95 to 5%, I'm back in the 95. And that's the victims in cases like this. And this is the last thing that I'll say on this. I can't tell you a single person that has dealt with any kind of traumatic instance like this with an abuser that wants to come forward. (laughs) Nobody wants to do that. So when you finally do get one, I guarantee you there's a laundry list of people that didn't say anything because they were scared. And that's where I'm at with that. (laughs) So let's let's move on to Annie Live news, because that's what we do at Broadway Radio. We talk (laughs) about Annie Live until Annie Live airs and then Annie Live will live on in our hearts forever. So in Mm -hmm. Annie live news, the entire cast for the NBC live production of Annie featuring Selena Smith as Annie has announced basically their entire cast. So let's run it down because we do talk about it every show and I will talk about it again. Yes, let's recap where we're at. (laughs) So Taraji P. Henson as Miss Hannigan. Chef's goes. Harry Connick Jr. as Zaddy Warbucks. Nicole Scherzinger as Grace, the second prettiest person to be named Grace. Titus uh, Burgess as Rooster. Megan Hilty, asterisk, because that was not previously announced. It was. Who was we it? talked. It was Jane Krakowski. We talked about it on Monday's <laughs> what <did> episode. I not? <laughs> Yeah, uh, Ashley and I talked about that when that came right. out on on Monday's episode. But that is a that's a big change. One I am not upset about, but uh, definitely a big change. Yeah. Uh, is that a big change? Sorry. They're very similar. <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of profile, in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think I see you. Jane, you know, because Jane Krakowski and Titus Burgess reuniting was a big deal in that casting. Yes. So this is different. Uh, but I, Megan Hilty I'm singing on NBC. What is this? Smash? Uh, I know a decade I later. I love to see it. The original Annie, Andrea McArdle, joins the cast as Eleanor Roosevelt and Alan Toy as FDR, which we talked about yesterday on the show. But Mackenzie Kurtz, who was last seen in Frozen before the shutdown on Broadway, she was starring opposite uh, Sierra Renee. She was the new Anna. She will be star to be, which I saw on her Instagram, which is super cute. The show will air on Thursday, December 2nd at 8 p.m. And again, living on in our hearts forever after that time. <laughs> the full <laughs> cast is, is, you know, it's star studded. It's exciting. I am. Um, I'm. I'm pumped about this. I don't know about you, Matt, but I will be watching. Yeah, they released the full cast. We'll have that uh, that in a link in the show notes. There's some familiar Broadway names. Um, they did not talk about like who was going to be the star to be in the press release. They didn't talk about who was going to be Burt Healy or the Boylan sisters. I did see Ben Davis in the cast That's list. Yeah. So I would not doubt if Ben Davis is Burt Healy. That's just a guess. Um, but we'll see. I'm excited to 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 watch this in a couple weeks. Alex Wong, my favorite guy who kicks his face, a former newsie. He will For, also be in it. Former, so you think you can dance her? It sounds kind of like the McDonald's theme, right? Do you think you can dance? All right, let's get to our favorite part of the show where we talk about this week's sponsor, Upstart. 
Matt, what would you do theoretically if you didn't have high interest loans or a credit card debt? Like, what would you do? You'd probably live your best life. So with Upstart, you can pay off your existing debt quickly and easily and start living that best life. I appreciate how you asked me a direct question and then didn't let me answer it, but that's fine. Um, (laughs) Upstart is the fast and easy way to do exactly what Grace just said. You can pay off all of your debt with a personal loan and you can do it all online. Whether that means that you can pay off your credit cards, consolidate high interest debt, funding personal expenses like living your best life and moving to New York City and seeing every show every night for the rest of your life. Over 1 million people have used Upstart to do exactly that to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. So it's not this recurring thing where they keep adding interest rates and interest and interest and you don't know when you're going to get out of that cycle. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in just minutes for loans between $1,000 and $50,000. And you can even receive your funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash Broadway. That's upstart, U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash Broadway. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we are the ones that sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. That's upstart.com slash Broadway. Let's get into some off-Broadway news. So the Public Theater announced casting today for the world premiere of Suffs, which is a musical that I feel like I've been hearing about for like 10 Forever. years. Ever, yes. Right? It's book, music, and lyrics by public theater artist and residents Shana Taub, and the cast is pretty stacked. I wish I could go into every single person. Yeah, that's just on this hit, the cast list. Hit, hit the big one. Hit the big ones. Jim Colella, Pippa Sue, Nikki and James. It's nuts. Grace, Grace McLean. McLean. Yeah. Yeah, I'm obsessed. Mia Pack. Like they begin performances finally Thursday, March 10th of next year, and then run through Sunday, April 24th. So it's a really tight window, but I will be seeing this. The opening night yeah. is April 6th. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it's about um, suffragettes. suffragettes, which is what the title suffs means. So that's an exciting one. But I'm excited about this one too, this next one. Yeah. Atlantic Theater Company has casting and it's co-produced with roundabout show English by Sanaz Tusi. English will feature Tala Ash, Ava Lalazarzadeh, Puya Mohensi, Marjan Nishat, and Hadi Tabal. English will begin performances on February 3rd through March 13th of next year at the Linda Gross Theater. So, um, moment of truth here. I am in love with Tala Ash. She oh. is, I am a, not, you know, I'm a huge fan. She, she plays a superhero on uh, the Berlantiverse oh, show, DC Legends of Tomorrow. She's amazing, but she does a ton of like classical and interesting theater as well. She's worked with the public a ton. I think she was actually supposed to be in a show in spring of 2020 at the public. That obviously didn't happen, um, but she's incredible. But I also am, am very fond of her because she's roughly my age and also grew up in central Ohio at the same time. So I, there's that <laughs> connection, but she's fantastic on the, on uh, legends of tomorrow. She's played two different versions of herself from different timelines. So, you wow. know, that means that she's a very, very talented actress. So you're coming back to New York next year is the point. I mean, I'm hoping I don't have to come back. I'm hoping I'm just <gasps> there by that point, but that's still yet to be seen. Breaking news. Yeah, someone wants to buy me an apartment or something in New York to make it a little easier. Matt at BroadwayRadio.com. Find them on Venmo. In more off-Broadway news, Romeo and Bernadette, a musical tale of Verona and Brooklyn, will have an off-Broadway engagement at Theater 555 for a limited run ahead of its 
anticipate a Broadway run question marks yeah. or previews. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I mm. previews are said to begin Tuesday, February 1st of next year with a Valentine's day opening night. How many Romeo and Juliet variations will be on Broadway next year? I'm curious. We've got Anne Juliet supposedly coming after they go to Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, which everybody is in callbacks for today, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I mean, West side closed. And West Side closed. No. We'll have the West Side Story movie. Matt, what are thoughts? Well, Romeo and Bernadette is not a new show. Like, it's been around for decades. But it had an off-Broadway run in, like, 2019, 2020. And, like, during the pandemic, I think they announced that they were coming to Broadway. And at that point, I was like, okay. Um, And then, I was it you and me? Were we talking about, and and Dina Zucker, were we talking about um this and and juliet and um once upon a one more time and cinderella yeah we were talking about that at assassins like there's just a lot of these things that overlap and this is by far the least and six yeah yeah pop um mixed with like medieval head over heels style shows yeah and this is the least of the properties no offense but it is so i I'll believe it when I see it, but good for them for getting another off-Broadway run. And uh, I wish them the best. I never wish anything bad uh, for any of them, but I don't know that they... It would be a shock of epic proportions for me if this one made it to Broadway and two had any life having to go up against those other shows. Fair enough. So finally, in some streaming theater news, Christina Wong's solo show, Sweatshop Overlord by the New York Theater Workshop, will be available for streaming December 1st through December 14th of this year. I'm so happy that they're making theater more uh, accessible for for all these Broadway shows or off-Broadway shows, especially solo shows. And if you didn't have an opportunity to watch it on Zoom like I did with Ashley, Mm -hmm. and you didn't get to see it at New York Theater Workshop downtown right now because uh, they are still running, you can stream it. So good. I was really happy about this announcement, not only for this show, but it also reminded me I have to watch Sanctuary City before it's done streaming on the 21st. So mm-hmm. that's another New York Theater Workshop streaming show that I haven't had a chance to watch yet. So definitely oh, have yeah. to do that this weekend. Okay, so this is the part of the show where Matt mm-hmm. and I finally get to talk about what we did last night. So besides the fact that I did have to run back to Matt's Airbnb to record the episode with Ashley because... I had a whirlwind evening just as we got to meet up with Ashley Hover. We got to meet up with James Marino uh, to see the Spring Awakening reunion concert. Um, eventually. We eventually, eventually got to see it because we stood outside <laughs> in the freezing cold for an hour and a half, depending on when you got there before I did a little bit. But I got there at 6.30 p.m. The curtain was for 7 p.m. Now let's set the scene for a moment, okay? This is 45th Street. Across the street, we've got companies First preview back, Stephen Dam Sondheim was there. Ashley Steves was there. So equal footing, right? Patty Lapone, you know the you know the crew. And then across the street, you've got Tick Tick Boom. Okay, so they're doing their film the premiere. I'm premiere. seeing everybody. Oh yeah. The, uh, right, right. The, and all these shows like took over the marquees of the theaters that they were in. Besides company, that's where it lives, right? But like we S- Spring Awakening took over the Imperial. Uh Tick Tick Boom was across the street, taking over for uh Come From the Away. Show like, yeah. Yeah, it was bonkers to be on that street, number one. Number two, the curtain was supposed to go up for the Actors Fund benefit that we were at at 7 p.m. I was in line at 6.30. Matt was arriving to get in line for tickets at 6.40, 6.45, whatever. And we, I physically did not move cold cane in hand you you get the vibe uh, for, I I don't think I actually sat until 8.20. 
Well, so no, we, the show I I looked. The curtain it started at eight twelve. The show oh. actually started at eight twelve. Okay. So, um, but that's a long ass time, and it was I an absolute walking mess. Walking in at like seven fifty one and thinking, "Is this my life?" Yeah, I mean, I tweeted like, "I hope this happens before nine because like I honestly didn't know that was not a joke. Um, the Actors Fund did put out a tweet profusely yeah. apologizing, saying that they would be in touch with all ticket buyers to make this right. They were embarrassed by how it went, but it was a mess. There were rumors that like they didn't want to pay the Imperial's box office staff or couldn't or didn't, and they decided to finally print tickets ahead of time, like an hour before the show. One there, hour before, yeah. There was no opportunity for you to have digital tickets. It was all will call, which was absolutely a mess, but it's not something that the Actors Fund hasn't done before. That's the way their Millie concert was a couple years ago. Mm. So I'm not exactly sure where the disconnect was, uh, if it was just because this was our first thing back and we screwed it up, but it was a mess and and people were not happy. What they did was is at one point, um, they divided the line up into orchestra and mezzanine and they had one person walking up and down the line with the front mez tickets, screaming out people's names outside on 45th street in the cold, (laughs) asking people their names so that they could give them their tickets. That didn't go super well. Eventually they let the people in the orchestra, which fortunately I was in, um, go in earlier, mainly because those are, I did not pay that much money, but there were people who paid like $5,000 for those seats. So they let them go in, but eventually Grayson, you can confirm this. They just let everybody in the mezzanine go to whatever seats they wanted, despite the fact that there were multiple different pricing tiers for better seats. And they just said, Hey, First come, first serve, general admission now. Um, just go, just go, just seat, just just get a seat. And what happened was it all filled up. There were people screaming at Actors Fund employees, which broke my heart because- Or you know, Imperial Theater employees too, like oh, the, right. the ushers who have nothing to do with it. Yeah. And that was the other thing, right? The people that were getting the brunt of all of this hate and anger were not the people that fucked up. Like they just, those were not the people. Uh, But (laughs) by the time all of the mezzanine and balcony filled up, which was uh, by the time I finally made it inside. And again, I was there so early. (laughs) I could not physically get up the stairs. And so I had to look at Nusher and be like, I'm not about to like complain to you, but like, is there anything I can do? Or I could just even stand here, but like, I cannot go up there. (laughs) So they figured something out. But it was bananas. Yeah. So beyond that, the show itself, um, Grace, you are you are much more spring awakening of file than I am. So what were your thoughts on what we witnessed at the Imperial on Monday night? Briefly, let's start at the top. 14 years old. I get the soundtrack. 15 years old i'm obsessed nope nope we're gonna have to we're gonna have to go back because robbie rizel listens to this show and how dare you say soundtrack it was it was a cast album it's a cast album you work for a cast album company but that's fine okay when i was 14 i received the broadway cast album i was so obsessed with it i asked my mom for the script she brought me the fred whittakin script from germany that was banned it was not the spring awakening script i memorized it anyways i was obsessed i watched on the rosie show i watched it win all the tonys uh fast forward i watched the national tour because i couldn't see it on broadway i watched the national tour tour with christy altamar i was there i saw it at the fox theater as well yeah <gasps> we were there at the same time maybe and uh i was obsessed i also that was one of the first times i saw an asian american woman performing a show like this which was Kimiko glenn and um obsessed later on i was in it uh as unfortunately venla at 20 and then i choreographed it um honestly a really great production to be frank 
uh not because i was in it but because like it was it was my favorite show um what uh, mm, uh mm, did i All get right. engaged on national television sure to purple summer yes but the point is is that i did not expect this reunion concert to be more than kind of like uh hey we're all together again on stage oh, no. it was the full cast full creative team in the audience full, full orchestra, orchestra Full script lines, man and woman were there. I could not believe that they ran the show from top to bottom with some minimal choreography, minimal staging. I thought it was perfect. I was crying the entire time. Yeah, and I, we're going to wrap this up because I've got to go meet Robbie Rizal for dinner tonight in 15 minutes. Sorry. But um, what I loved about the show is I have said many, many times and probably on air, Spring Awakening, Hair, Next to Normal are shows that I don't really particularly like on stage i like a lot of the music um, but they're not shows that i ever need to see again unless there's a great cast involved and there's obviously no better cast than the original cast so many of these people have become stars on stage and screen and um what was the best part for me about this is how genuinely loving everybody was to each other but especially watching jonathan groff just beam anytime anybody did anything um was so pure and so genuine um and most of the people still sounded really good there was a few then whatever um but i i for somebody who is not an obsessive spring awakening fan or even really a spring awakening fan at all i thought it was a wonderfully special event to be a part of um and one that obviously was very moving for a lot of people because there were two women seated behind me and our friend ashley hufford who not uh, openly wept is not the correct term they they might have been having seizures through their tears they were crying so hard so it was obviously very emotional for them it was very emotional for jonathan groff who gave a curtain speech um he apparently was also listed as an above the title producer for this um so that was kind of interesting i think him and lolo both were i don't have it in front of me but um yeah, a really fun, interesting night. Obviously, y'all are going to get to see a lot of it on the HBO documentary. So keep an eye out for that whenever the heck that happens. All right, we're going to wrap up because they've got to go to dinner and they got to see company. We do. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And don't forget about our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, at It's Grace Aki. Matt, where can people find you? BWW Matt. Thank you guys so much. We will see you tomorrow. Bye.